the, the next week. This is a, a long period of time that, that, gone, that went on here. And, and finally, uh, God sends a prophet to say, Hey, David, uh, there was this guy who uh, his neighbor came in, a rich neighbor who had all kinds of sheep, came and took this one man's little old lamb and killed it to give to a friend. And David got all upright, out, uh, uprighteously angry and said, That's just not fair. We're going to make this right. And the, the prophet said, David, you're the man. And for the first time, listen, I don't know how David, David went about in those days uh, as king, whether he was overridden with guilt, but suddenly something opened up in his mind and he realized, uh, he came to himself, he realized the, the situation he was in and he saw that his sin wasn't just a, something he could write off because he was king, but he had sinned against God. Turn and look at Psalm 51 with me if you would. We won't read the whole thing. I could preach a message just on Psalms 51. But there's too much other stuff to look at. But I do want you to notice a few things. David's prayer begins with, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. Godly sorrow, man, and until you repent of it, that godly sorrow works in you and makes you miserable. Ever been there? I have. <laughs> it's like the Holy Spirit just jabs you, and every verse you read, everything that you hear, your kids might come up to you and say something, you're like, ow, ow, stop it, ow, leave me alone, ow. That's your flesh response. Sin is there. It, it, it doesn't let you forget. That's a good thing, by the way. I would rather be there than be hardened to my sin. David was, his sin was ever before him. It, it talks about in Psalms chapter 32 how uh, it, it was like uh, the moisture of his body was, was gone. Uh, uh, it just, uh, he, it just, it, his bones, he describes himself here as his bones being broken. And, I mean, it was a, a difficult, hard thing for him to, 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 as he went through this time of grieving, this time of sorrow. Uh, his desire was to get right, but it was over his sin, not over the consequences of his sin. Other than what God did in, in taking the, the son, the product of, the, of that illicit affair, what, uh, other than that punishment there, I don't know what other punishment he, that he went through. He was king. What were they going to do to him? But that didn't matter. He understood that he sinned before God and God only. Job. Job had a pretty good life up until things started going bad. Now, he didn't sin in those things. But, but I want you to see something that Job says in Job chapter 42. See, as he was going through those things, his friends were accusing him. Uh, he kind of, uh, he didn't have very good friends. He needed better friends than Job had. But they, they kept saying, it's your fault, Job. You must have done something. And, and honestly, he didn't do anything to bring this upon himself. He was a righteous man who loved God, who, who prayed for his family. Uh, he, but God was using him as a, to be a blessing to others, even though there was going to be a trial for him. Job chapter 42, why don't you look at verse 6 with me. Finally, 
Job got to the point where he didn't question God anymore. He saw himself as God saw him. He says, wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, uh, he sees God in his holiness. If you remember the seraphim we talked about this morning, he saw the seraphim, and the seraphim said, holy, holy, holy. The only time that God is ever described by thrice in any way. They don't say love, 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 or mercy, 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 or goodness, 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 but they do say holy, holy, holy. Uh, and it's, uh, he saw that, and the holiness of God caused him to see himself as sinful and wicked. And what was his response? Woe is me, for I am undone. It causes an a internal look. That godly sorrow causes repentance, brings about contrition, and brings you to a place where, where you're seeking uh, forgiveness. And he, so he begins to cry out, and, and he, he confesses his own sin. He confessed the sins of, uh, of his people. Uh, what was me for him? I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. Uh, you go back into Nehemiah, Nehemiah is praying for the people of, uh, of, of, of Jerusalem, the, the, the walls being destroyed, and he confesses his sin and his father's sin and the, the sins of the nation. Listen, when, when we're confronted with who God really is, we should truly grieve. We should truly mourn for our sin. I think that's lacking today. And I, I'll be honest, I think it's necessary for salvation. It's, I believe it's necessary for salvation. Uh, what do you mean? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying you have to get on your face and wail and cry because you can do that and not mean anything. But when we truly understand, when we truly grasp that we are sinners and we're going to be judged one day before God, that we understand that because of our sin we deserve death and that God is holy and just, it should cause a godly sorrow in our life that will work to contrition and then repentance. There are a whole lot of people that say, well, I believe I got saved, I prayed a prayer one, but nothing ever changed. If nothing ever changes in our life after salvation, there's never any growth as we read the word. If, we're around, if we just can go on and live our lives in wickedness and how, however we were living, I can't, I'm, not gonna, I'm not God and I will not judge anybody. But I think there's reason to, to take a second look at yourself if that's you. Psalms chapter 32. Psalms chapter 32. Verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whom and whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Notice what he says there in verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through the roaring all the day long. It, it, it doesn't just affect us mentally as we're convicted of our sin, as we, as we grieve. It, 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 it affected Dave, David's physical being. Uh, my bones waxed old. It, it bothered him. It, it destroyed him. But notice the blessing that comes. The blessing that comes here. Verse 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Remember the the, the beatitude we're talking about is blessed is he that mourns. 
Happy is he that mourns. Why? Because until you mourn, until you grieve over your sin, you're never going to truly repent of your sin. But once you truly repent of your sin, what does the Bible tell us? 1 John 1, 9. If we sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that verse. Now, it says he's faithful to do it. What does that mean for us? He always will. If we confess our sins, if we, if we, if we, if we mourn and we grieve over our sin and we come to God and, 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 and cry out for mercy, guess what he's going to give us? Mercy. You know, God's never withheld his mercy. There is not a single soul that, that cried out for mercy, that, 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 that grieved over the sin and cried out that God did not give them mercy. We, we talked about recently the, the story of Manasseh. I love, uh, the, not story, the account of Manasseh. I love the account of Manasseh. The most wicked, vile king that Israel had ever seen. Uh, said, the Bible says he was worse than all the other kings previous to him. In fact, he was worse than the, than, than the, the, uh, the Canaanites and the Philistines that lived there before Israel came in. Uh, he, they not, only, uh, not only did uh, they worship other gods, and, and, and they, he built within the temple of God false false altars for them to worship those gods in God's temple. Uh, he was wicked. He was evil. He was the one who cut uh, Isaiah in two, uh, stuck him in a log and cut, cut him in two. Uh, he, he was a terrible, awful king. But, but God, in his righteous judgment, brought in uh, the Persians. The Persians took him, and they left with him. And when they did, it says that they afflicted him with thorns. Uh, uh, not fully understood. I don't Nobody fully understands what that means, but, uh, but uh, they, they believe the way that the, the Persians tr typically treated their prisoners of war, they would pierce their skin and attach chains to, chains to that, that, those flesh of the skin, and they would drag them and make them walk. It was wicked and painful and terrible. And it said, in his affliction, he humbled himself. And guess what happened to Manasseh? God killed him fast, right? Took away, no. No, God forgave him. God sent him back to Israel. In fact, gave him back his throne. God showed mercy. If God can do that for him, can he do it for you? He's faithful. That means every time you cry out for mercy, he gives you mercy. In the book of James, it says, but God giveth more grace. I love, uh, I love the, those songs that we sing about, about grace. Uh, there is no sin that God's grace cannot cover. Now, that doesn't give us license to sin. It doesn't mean we go out and say, well, you know, ha -ha, God's grace will cover it. I can do whatever I want. But no, whatever we've done, we seek God's mercy, and God's grace covers our sin. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, he is faithful to do it, and he's just to do it. Uh, meaning meaning he's, he's, it is right, it is equitable, it is fair for him to do it. And now why was it fair for him to forgive your sin but hold somebody else accountable for their sin? Because you've accepted Christ and your sin is under the blood. I hope it is. Are you saved? Okay. Did, did God just forgive the sins you've already committed when you got saved? Or did he, or did he forgive and cover all of your sins? All of your sins. 
So he is just. When you come to listen, you don't lose your salvation every time you sin. My goodness, we'd be in so much trouble if that was the case. You'd be, you'd be getting saved day after day, sometimes hour after hour, right? Depending on uh, how things are going with the kids or the wife or, the, or whatever's going on. I, I'm thankful that, that God's forgiveness and God's mercy and God's Christ's blood covers all of my sin. Now, that doesn't mean I can't break fellowship with God because of my sin. And, and that's one of the reasons why I, I need a daily cleansing. Right? And when I sin, when I make, when I, when I, uh, I was going to say make a mistake, when I fail, God is what that is. It's missing the mark. Uh, uh, when, when, when you sin, uh, yes, you need that personal cleansing to renew that fellowship so the spirit is not grieved and the spirit is not quenched. But you can live your life in fellowship because of the continuing advocacy of, of Jesus Christ. Because no matter what happens, no matter whether you're accused in heaven by Satan or not, it's under the blood. You're saved. So, so yes, God is not just faithful to forgive you, but he's just to forgive you. It's right for him because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. If Jesus Christ hadn't died for us on the cross, it wouldn't be just because the debt had not been paid. But it is paid. Turn to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9 say this, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify ye hearts, ye double-minded. Notice what it says in verse 9. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. We live in a culture today where, where nobody likes to be sad. Nobody really enjoys it. But I think sometimes it's good for us. But because, of, because of, uh, of our desire to not be sad, we fill our lives with things that kind of block it off, that push it away. Entertainment, work, uh, busyness, right? Ever, ever, ever go through something difficult and say, you know what, I just got to go do something so I'm not sitting here dwelling on whatever it is that's bothering me. And we, we, we do that, but that's not good. That's not good in a spiritual sense. Yes, sometimes it helps us uh, in, in the short term, but in the long term, guess what? Nothing gets fixed. It, do, it doesn't do any good. Because guess what? When you're done working, when, the, when, when it's time to go to bed and you lay your head on that pillow, no matter what it is that you were, you were grieving about, that you pushed off because of work or entertainment or whatever it was, uh, you're gonna, your mind's finally going to come to a place where it settles and you have not healed if, if, uh, emotionally if you are grieving over something that you lost. And guess what? You have not come to repentance if you were grieving over something that you've done, over some sin. And today's day and age, we don't like that. We'd rather laugh. We'd, we'd, we would rather go work. We'd rather, men do not cry. No, real men do cry. Jesus did. Now, he didn't have to sorrow as, God, as others did, but even Jesus wept. Now, back to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. It says, blessed or happy are they that mourn. Why? Because they can receive forgiveness. Without, uh, without that forgiveness, there is no joy. It takes that mourning to get to the point of 
I'm reminded of the prodigal son who who, uh, came to his father and and, and required of his father to give him his inheritance, right? He was happy while he had the inheritance. But once that inheritance was gone, all his friends were gone. All the partying was over, and he was hungry, and he was cold. And then he, 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 to, to, to try to fill his belly, the Bible says that he, would, uh, that he was working on a, on a pig farm. That doesn't use those terms, but he was, and he, he was feeding the swine. And, and he said that he was about ready to eat of the, 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 out of the trough of, of uh, that the, swines, the swine, the pigs ate out of. And, and it says he came to himself. That's lower than low. Like, I, really, you know what pigs eat? It's called slop for a reason. Now, nowadays, they, they feed them bagged things, especially the big farmers. Uh, uh, but other than that, if it's a small farm, they just feed them whatever they can find. He was willing to eat. And by the way, he's a Jew, and Jews weren't supposed to touch pigs. Pigs are unclean. So he was as low as low could get. But it took that for him to open up his eyes. The Bible says he came to himself. And then he began to say, if I were in my father's house, even the servants have bread enough to eat. And he began to prepare a speech and say, Father, to, in his mind, as he, as he began to walk back home, and Father, I'm not worthy to be thy son, and uh, make me, make me a, a servant. And, and he, he was uh, preparing that speech. And, and, but, but it took him to, to get to that point where he was ready to, to, to ask God for forgiveness and, and, or ask his Father for forgiveness and, and reconciliation. But, but it takes every one of us to do that, that same thing. If we never get to that point, we'll never seek it. Sometimes it takes us getting very low in our life. Now, we know that that, that, uh, that, that mourning, that, that sorrowing that bring, comes about to contrition, and contrition comes about to, to uh, reconciliation, uh, or, or comes about to uh, repentance, and that brings true joy. But I want us to notice the second part of the verse as well. It says, blessed is, 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 are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, this doesn't mean, again, because we know what it's talking about, it does not mean that every time you're having a bad day that God's going to, it's okay, buddy. But when you're sorrowing over your sin, God will comfort you. God will comfort you. Uh, the Second Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that God is the God of all comfort. All comfort, all real comfort uh, comes from the Father. In fact, it says uh, that uh, the greater the trials, the greater the tribulation, uh, the greater the, the, of the problems that we're going through, God, the greater the comfort that God can give us. And the more that we sorrow, the more that we grieve over our sin, the greater the, the comfort that God can give us as we come unto him. But not only is God the God of all comfort, but Jesus is the comforter. See, wait a second. The, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was the comforter. Yes, but Jesus said another comforter will come. Tell, telling me what? That Jesus is, is a comforter. And Jesus was uh, the comforter here, there at the, at the time and, and with the, as he was there with the disciples. And, and, 
And then the Holy Spirit came. So we have God the Father, God, uh, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three working in, uh, I was going to say in tandem, that's two, but it's uh, working all together in, uh, to, to, to comfort us uh, as, uh, as uh, we're cleansed, as we're, we're forgiven. The Bible says in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, not only is God and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit the comfort, but the Word of God comforts us. The Word of God. We're comforted in the Scriptures. No, as, as we go through this, we say, oh, how does it do that? Because we have a God who is faithful, who, who comforts us in the fact that he loves us and so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. We have the son who gave his life for our sins so that we could be uh, reconciled unto God. We have the Holy Spirit who worked in us to, to give us new life, to, to, to bring about forgiveness in our lives and, and, and to comfort us. We have the word of God which brings about faith in our life that, guess what, comforts us. We also have the ministry of the believers. We're to comfort one another. To come alongside one another, to encourage, to strengthen, and to be there for one another. It's a comfort uh, to, to be able to do that. I'm so thankful that, that we're able to come together and to, to worship God and to fellowship around the word. And It's good just to sit and to be comforted in, in that. Why? Because there's something that unites us in Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, that word, the word that's translated mourn is a present tense word. Now, what does that make, why does that make a difference? Because it's not just a past thing. It's present day. It's continual. Because as children of God, we're not just to mourn for salvation. We're to come about to salvation. We're to mourn the sin in our lives today. And as we mourn continually over our sin, and that brings us to repentance in our life, God continues to comfort us. It's not just a once and done thing. Salvation is, once you're saved, you're saved. And a lot of times we look at heaven as a place of comfort. And it will be a place of comfort. The Bible says that God will wipe away all of our tears. There will come a time when there will be no more tears in heaven. They'll all be wiped away. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more night. It'll be a, what a wonderful day. And a lot of times we look forward to that day saying, that's when I'll be comforted. You don't have to wait till then to be comforted. You can be comforted in Christ, and you can be comforted in the Word today. So how do, be, how do I become a mourner? How do I become one of those people? That, uh, well, first of all, as, as, we, as we mourn over a sin for salvation, if you're not saved, you need to understand that you're, that you're lost and uh, that you're a sinner uh, in, that's, that isn't just in jeopardy of judgment, but will one day be judged. Uh, it's, it's appointed a man once to die, and after that, the judgment. If you're not saved, one day you'll be judged by that. But Christ, if, as you mourn over your sin and you seek salvation through uh, faith in Jesus Christ alone, uh, you can have the comfort that salvation brings. Uh, but how do we do it as Christians in our life? First of all, eliminate the hindrances. Eliminate those things that, that harden our hearts. Because things harden our hearts, do they not? Our love for sin. Well, I don't love sin. You hold on to it. 
Sometimes in the lives of Christians there are things, as Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12 says, to cast aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Sometimes there are those things that, that, uh, that, are, or, that we're easily ensnared into, easily tripped up. We need to stop loving sin and see sin as God sees sin. We live in a culture where, where sin is downplayed, and it's not that big of a deal. Uh, now, nowadays you have, you have a, a Christian men and women who are living together, and they don't think it's a big deal. Uh, that was the reason that those people were kicked. Uh, uh, there was the sexual sin. It was the reason why people were kicked out of, out of the church there in 1 Corinthians. Uh, they, they were they were approached, they were dealt with. Uh, we need to see sin as God sees sin. We need to stop loving it, stop clinging to it, and realize it's not okay. And we need to understand that we can't be broad in a sense. Because, again, we, when, a lot of times we talk about sin, we have a few things that we list off in our head. This is sin, this is sin, this is sin, but everything else is okay. Instead, we need to read the Word of God and see what God says is sin and deal with that. Because it's easy to say, well, those, those homosexuals or those, those, those uh, uh, thieves or those, those murderers, they're sinners. So, so are the proudful, prideful. So are the gossips. So, so are the, the, the whatever other sin that the word of God covers. Uh, uh, those, those that are, are jealous. Those that are, those, those that are uh, lust after uh, other people's things. Are, uh, listen, those are all sins that we need to be careful of and more. We need to be careful of our love of sin. We need to be careful of despair. Look at Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18 verse 12. Well, what do you mean despair? Well, let's see what it says in verse 12. And they said, this is the people of Israel, there is no hope. But we will walk after our own devices, and we will every one do the imagination of his evil heart. There's no hope for us, so we're just going to do what we want to do. God can't fix this situation, so we're just going to go ahead and do, do whatever we feel like. Despair can cause you to do some terrible things. A lack of hope in what God can do. And here's the problem. What the, well, you know what that does? You're, when, 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 we, when, we, when we begin to think that way about ourselves, we are, we are trying to bring God's power and God's ability down to our level, right? Because listen, there is no sin that, 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 that the blood of Christ cannot pay for. There is nothing that God cannot forgive. There, there, there is nothing that so big, so terrible, so awful that God's grace cannot cover it. But when we look at ourselves, or we look at somebody else, or we look at some situation and think, well, there's no hope, well, then you're hoping in the wrong thing. Because we have a God that can. We have a God that will. We have a God that has already forgiven sin. We have a God who can work in a situation. So don't give up hope. Put your hope in the right one. Eliminate the hindrances, our love of sin, our despair, our, our conceit. We need to realize that as we, I'm above all that. I'm better than that. I, I, I don't need that. Do we really? That reminds me of the Pharisee who looked at the, pub, the, the, looked at the publican and said, I thank you, Lord, that I am not like that publican over there. I give to the poor. I pray twice a day. That's not the heart we're supposed to have. We need to put away our presumption 
a presumption. Isaiah 55, 7. Presumption cheapens the grace of God. What do I, what do I mean by that? Let's read the verse first. Uh, verse 7 says this, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him to our, to our God, for he will abundantly pardon Presumption is when we, when we see God and know that God will forgive us, so we go ahead and sin anyways. We just rest in the grace of God. The problem with that is, what, what, did the Bible, what does Paul say in Romans? Should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But there are many people that live that life presuming upon God. There's a problem with that because in presuming upon God, then we cheapen and we, we trample and step on the sacrifice of Christ. We need to eliminate the procrastination. Well, someday, someday I'll, I'll, I'll make that right. Someday I'll do this. None of us know what tomorrow may bring. Today is the day the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 14, that life is like a vapor. So eliminate that procrastination, eliminate the despair, eliminate our love of sin, our conceit, our presumption, and then our laughter. Now, I know that God has a sense of humor. He made us. We can see in, in Scripture that he had a sense of humor. But I think many times we laugh at the wrong things. Isaiah, Amos chapter 6 Amos chapter 6. Verse 5 through 7. says, That chant to the sound of the vial and invent to themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the afflictions of Joseph. Therefore now shall they go captive, uh, with the first to go captive, and the banquet of them that stretch themselves shall be removed. Uh, this, this passage is talking about the, the people of Israel, that, that uh, they're, they're ignoring their sin. Uh, they're, they're, they're chanting, they're, uh, they're making music. They're, uh, verse 6 says uh, they drink wine in bowls. Uh, uh, it's a sign of gluttony, a sign of it's a, a cup, is, a glass isn't enough. It's, it's an overabundance, it's laughter, it's mirth. It's, it's, let's ignore the sin and just have a merry old time. Amen. It, it's nice to, to not think about our sin because we don't feel so guilty. It's nice to not think about how it offends God and, and how, it's a, it's a, how, 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 we're, how we're sinful and wicked. I'd rather, it, it'd, it'd be nicer just to, 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 to have a, a good time, but that laughter and that mirth is short-lived. Sin is pleasant for a season. It's, uh, uh, there's pleasure in it for a little while, but there comes a point in time when one day we're going to stand before God, and, and, and God's going to, we're going to have to answer to God for our, our choices. For every idle word, the Bible says. We need to set aside that laughter. Once we get rid of those hindrances, the first thing we need to do is look at the cross. The best, thing that, the best way that we can remind ourselves of the cost of sin is to remind ourselves what the cost that Christ paid for our sins. 
I mean, really get a good look at the cross. I don't mean an empty cross. I mean, go back and, and read the scriptures of all that Christ went through and, and what, what he did for you and I and, and meditate upon those things. Man, as you begin to think about what Christ did for you, it will change your mind about the things that you've been doing and that you know are sin. Next, study sin in the scriptures. See what the word of God says about what it is that's in your life. Don't let me tell you that you're in sin. Let God tell you that you're in sin. And man, when God tells you, it sticks a whole lot more. Because you can forget what I say very quickly. But the word of God, the spirit of God, and the, the word of God cuts deep. And the spirit of God, that voice never goes away. And you can't harden yourself to it. You can ignore it. But if you truly want to become one who mourns over your sin, so that you can then be right before God and, in, and be blessed and happy. Look at the cross. Study sin. You can study what David had to say about sin in Psalm 51. Uh, how Isaiah talked talk about sin in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, you read about Peter and how he spoke of, about sin and where he asked, asked Christ, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, you can look at Paul, how he mentioned that he was the chief of sinners. Uh, you, can, you can study that out and how God saw all of those things. And, 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 and as you do that, the Spirit of God will help you to see sin as it really is. And lastly, pray and ask God to give you a broken, contrite heart. See, I know it's a sin, but I, 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 don't, I don't really, I'm not really sorrowing over it. If you really ask God to give you a sorrow over it, I believe he will. Psalms 51, 16, and 17 will end, will end here. Verse 16 says this, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. As we pray and, and, and see, as we see sin as God sees it, as if we're struggling with, with that, ask God to open up our eyes to it. But listen, as, as we do that, I, I can guarantee you, I promise you, that God will answer your prayer. If you truly are longing to, 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 to change and turn from your sin, God will change your... And I'm not talking about standards. I'm not talking about those things that, that listen, there are some things that, that, uh, that uh, uh, the Bible is... Uh, is even a gray area on, uh, I think of Romans chapter 14, where some were eating meat and some couldn't eat meat. And, and Paul said, listen, I know that meat isn't an issue, uh, uh, isn't really an issue, but for, for someone who's struggling with it, listen, guess what? I'm not going to eat meat around them uh, because, uh, talking about the meat that's offered to idols, because it'd be a, a stumbling block for them. I'm not talking about those kind of things. I'm talking about reading the scripture. And as God opens up those things to you, say, God, break my heart over this. Because I want to be brokenhearted over it. I want to see this as you see it. I guarantee you, God will give you that heart. And it may not happen in a day. It may not happen in a week. But if you're praying about it and asking God to do that, is God faithful to answer our prayers? He is. In fact, especially those prayers, he will give us what we ask for when we're asking those things that he has already promised us. Right? We can ask for a new car, and you may not get a new car, right? You can ask for certain things that God may or may not give you. But when you're asking for something that God has promised you, like wisdom, 
forgiveness. It is a guarantee that God will give us those things. So you want to mourn over your sin? You want to become a mourner of sin, one who, who sees your sin? Ask God to show you what your sin is. Ask God to help you to see it as he sees it. And when that happens and we, we see God for who he is, we will respond like David did. We will respond like Isaiah did. And we'll see, woe is me, for I'm undone. And the end result of that is forgiveness, which brings about joy. And God will comfort us in that. That's a promise of God. These Beatitudes, uh, Jesus Christ didn't need to mourn over his sin. He was one who, who lived without sin. Praise the Lord. We need to learn to mourn over our sin. Realize and see it as God sees it. Not push it off, not ignore it, not downplay it. Because we are so good at that. We are so good at looking at somebody else's sin and saying, that's wicked and evil, but you know, I'm just going to feed my pet over here. Let's be careful that we're not looking at other sin so much as we are. In fact, I said we're going to end here. I lied. Last place, Galatians chapter 6. Those that were Bible study already know what I'm going to say, but that's okay. Galatians 6, verse 1, it says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, and considering, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And he says, Bear you one another's burdens. Uh, contextually, what he's saying is, if there's a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ that is in sin, uh, it, that we're to go and try to reconcile that person. That we're to go in, in meekness, we're to go in gentleness, and, and, and considering ourselves, so that, just in case that we're tempted. Uh, and that's the purpose of that. He says, bury you one another's burdens. We're to come alongside and help one another. But he goes down to verse, verse uh, 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. Well, what's it talking about? Well, you have to look at the context. So before we go and bear somebody else's burden and fulfill that law of Christ, as I mentioned in verse 2, look at verse 3, for if a man thinketh himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work. And then shall that word prove means examine. Uh, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. He's saying, look at your own self first. Compare your own life to the word of God. And then you'll have rejoicing in your own life. You're not going to rejoice in what you're trying to cause somebody else to do. Uh, and there, there is joy in, not in what we do, but in what Christ did for us. Grieve over your sin. See your sin. Grieve over it. And let God change your life. Like, repent over it and let God forgive you. There is joy in that. There is comfort in that. Again, it's easy to see somebody else's problems. It is not always easy to see our own. David said this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. The truth is, none of us are perfect. None of us have attained. And let's just be honest. We could all ask God to search our hearts and show us where, we, where the sin is in our life. And when God shows it to us, don't downplay it. Don't see that's, a, that's not that big of a deal. Everybody does it. Everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? Every parent said to the child. No. Mourn over it. Seek, seek God, contrition 
heart and soul be broken over it and ask God for forgiveness. May God help us. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, you have been so good to us. And Lord, we thank you for the forgiveness that's, free, the forgiveness that's freely offered. Lord, the, the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Lord, the, 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 the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the word of God. Lord, I also know that uh, you're not done with any one of us, Lord. None of us have attained. Lord, help us to be those that mourn. Lord, that we might be right with you. Lord, that we might be daily cleansed. That we might, that we might repent of, of sin and live our lives right before you. In fellowship and in joy. We are so thankful for the comfort that we find in the word and in you. And we ask, God, that you would uh, have your way in us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing.